Hi, this is Kevin Young. I'm Don Hergen. From Torture. And we would like to wish all the listeners of Pods Like Us a very Merry Christmas. Or something similar. <laughs> yeah. Happy Hanukkah. Joyous Kwanzaa. What do you say for Ramadan? Uh, radical <laughs> Ramadan. Radical Ramadan. <laughs> I don't know. Are there any more? What else? Are, what else is there? Oh, I had a whole had a whole list of las posadas. Oh, have a super Saturnalia. Yeah, see, I, I, I had a, I had a list there, and I uh, closed it, so I uh, probably should have kept it. Yeah. Oh. Ah well. Oh well. Ah well. What are you gonna do? Hello and welcome to Pods Like Us. I'm Martin Quibell, known to my friends as Marv, and this time I'm speaking with Wayne Clark from the Christmas Alphabet podcast. Hello, Wayne. Thank you for speaking with me today. I hope you're okay. Hello, Marv. I'm great. Thank you. Really good to be on your podcast and uh, to be able to talk about my podcast. Uh, It's great. Thank you. It's nice to be able to speak about something that makes most people happy in the world. Yeah, Christmas is it does that, doesn't it? And I, what I'm trying to do in my Christmas podcast is to keep that Christmas spirit alive all through the year. Some people think that's a bit mad, <laughs> and they'd rather just reserve Christmas for a, a few days or a few weeks of the year. But I love Christmas, always have. And so uh, the idea of the podcast was to get people thinking about Christmas and celebrating Christmas all year round. Though I must admit, uh, as we're recording um, in the first, just... Going into the second week of November, I walked down our street today and saw a, a hairdressers that had put up their Christmas tree and decorated it full, full, you know, lights and trimmings and everything. And even I thought, hmm, I didn't quite expect to see that in the second week of November. But, you know, it's good. I, I do like uh, I do enjoy seeing Christmas even as early as this in the streets. Well, somebody that uh, lives in Newark on Trent, where we used to live. Yeah, uh, they they had their decorations in their windows for the whole year. Yes. They, nev- they never took them down, <laughs> and you find a lot of people are like that. Yeah, why not? If you want to make the most of Christmas, although some people will say, well, it's less special then when it comes to the season. But uh, I don't know. If it, if it makes you happy, then why not? What what's wrong with watching a Christmas Carol at any time of the year? Oh, certainly do that. Yes, certainly Christmas music. Christmas books, Christmas films, all year round, as far as I'm concerned. Have you actually got a favourite Christmas memory? Uh, Lots of them. I suppose as a child, uh, waking up Christmas morning, I was the eldest of three children. My brother and sister are three and four years younger than me. So uh, although I knew early on, I think, that... Christmas wasn't what my parents pretended it was. Uh, I I kept the the magic alive for the sake of my younger brother and sister and sort of it was good to be part of the conspiracy, (laughs) I think, with my for my the sake of my younger brother and sister. But waking up early Christmas morning, uh, just the excitement of that. There's nothing like the excitement of 
Christmas as a child and I still remember still carry that around with me I think that that sense of the excitement of Christmas morning of all the different layers of what Christmas means just of the excitement of obviously getting presents which what you're interested in as a child but just the excitement of a special day that's like no other day with the light shining with the music of Christmas that's like no other time of the year uh, for me, it was going to church as well, and it was uh, that aspect of Christmas. All of that combined just was such a special feeling. It's the feeling that you want to bottle and keep with you throughout your adult life that I still remember very, very much uh, experiencing and entering into as a child. Absolutely. I mean, um, I think that, Jesus himself would be very, very happy with the fact of of how the how it is celebrated, and the fact that it's a time where people can, you know, have have hope and have fun and joy, even in the darkest of times that we've been in over the last couple of years. It's been a little beacon of joy for everybody. Yeah, some Christians are a bit po-faced about Christmas and say, "Oh, just commercialism and just making." making the most of this what should be religion i'm i'm not i'm not bothered about that i'm just saying well as a christian i just want everyone to have as much joy and happiness and and love and celebration and and partying as 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 they can you know if it's if it's celebrating the birth of jesus fantastic if people don't believe that but they still want to celebrate i'm just as happy with that uh it's a time that that for me and for Christians is a celebration of the birth of Christ, although we all know Jesus wasn't actually born on the 25th of December, but it's still a celebration of his birth. But it's in our culture, in, in British Western culture, it is a celebration of, of so much more of, of, of love and joy and peace and generosity and kindness and a chance to let your hair down and do something different in the midwinter that you don't do at any other time of the year. And I'm happy to embrace all of that and just engage with it all and say all of this is worth celebrating. But it's interesting because you you have that huge uh, fascination with the different ways that people um celebrate christmas the different elements of people's different christmases the music the films the food and and everything else and the santa claus and all this and the other are actually in passing before i miss this for any children listening the conspiracy might be that we have to help santa because this time is when he can't get everywhere okay so before christmas he's too busy getting ready okay but you touch on all these things in your show that's right. I, my Christmas Alphabet podcast takes in all those things. It, it is about the culture of Christmas, the joy of Christmas, memories of Christmas. And I like to share some of my own memories from time to time without being too self-indulgent. It's uh, it's about music. Music's a big thing for me. Films as well. I'm not big on Christmas films or television Christmas specials. That's not my special area of interest, though I do touch on those. For me, Christmas carols is probably my in single central Christmas interest, although I'm also interested in other Christmas music and all those other cultural things, as you say, to do with food, to do with history and traditions. I'm fascinated by history and I'm a bit of a, a amateur historian and anything and, and not just what we do in 
Britain or America or the Western world, but what we do, what people do throughout the world in celebrating Christmas as well. And, and when you start thinking about that, there's just so much, there's far too much to cover in a few short podcasts. Yeah, because a lot of the time on your show, you'll mention, I've just said you'll, and you know, you'll look, <laughs> uh, but terrible pun there, Marv. So, but um you will often say during some of the easier letters, shall we say, that you didn't have time to be able to include this, 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 and this, and this, yeah. and this. I'm, I'm guessing that some of the more difficult ones, you've got difficulty coming out with ones that you've not mentioned because it's you've had trouble coming up with ones to mention. Yeah, just to explain for those who, who don't follow the, the podcast, the Christmas Alphabet podcast is everything about Christmas in... Uh, so far, 26 episodes. We'll talk more about what happens after the 26, maybe. But 26 episodes. And each episode concentrates on things to do with Christmas, starting with that letter of the alphabet. And as you say, some are really straightforward. And the problem is not making it too long. I don't want episodes that go on for too long. I don't like listening to podcasts that last for ages and ages. That's not what I think people are looking for. So I have to limit it. And sometimes I'll choose four or five topics that I can spend a lengthier time on and then others that I just very briefly mention in a couple of sentences. Uh, but like you say, some letters uh, are more of a struggle. And I, I admit that on the podcast. I don't say, uh, you know, I'm. Uh, it's going to be easy. I say this is a tough one. And, you know, people enter into the fun of that, I hope, with me. And they realize that I've set myself a challenge by trying to find things to do with Christmas for all 26 letters of the alphabet. And uh, it's, it's a bit of a game then. I, I hope that's part of the sport that we're playing together. Well, another bit I'm going to touch on before we get past this is the fact that you mentioned, you know, people might be a bit off the idea of having a show about Christmas throughout the year, where I remember, because um, I'm, I'm friendly with Brian Earle, who does the yeah. Christmas Past podcast. And we were talking, and he, he says very often that if you don't want to listen to the show throughout the year, uh, and, and Glenn says it from Seasons Eatings as well, yeah. then just when you get closer to that that time of the year, when you get when you get into the Christmas feel, then go back into the archive and listen to that episode, those episodes because they're always there. So that is something that I think is true, but it goes, but that works for all podcasts anyway. Yeah, it does. I th The idea behind this was to produce 26 episodes uh, and do one every two weeks. Yeah. And the, the genius of that, not my genius, it's just the way the calendar works, is that two times 26 is 52, and there are 52 weeks in a year. So uh, by my calculations, if I start A at a certain date in the year, then I can finish the alphabet at the same date in the next year. This was the idea. So I decided for Chris, a Christmas podcast, I would start on Advent Sunday. Yep. So I could start with A for Advent, which is four weeks before Christmas, so that my C episode would come out on Christmas Day, which is four weeks after Advent. So uh, I started in Advent 2021. So my, my A episode came out on Advent uh, week of 2021, beginning of Advent. And my C episode came out on Christmas Eve of 2021. So I could do C for Christmas, which is probably okay. the most obvious thing to put in the Christmas alphabet is C for Christmas, which means that my Z episode is coming out uh, halfway through November 
just before Advent 2022. So some people have enjoyed that. They've enjoyed going on that journey with me, a kind of extended Advent calendar, if you like, of 26 episodes working through a whole year. But I know something podcasters know is we get to look at our download figures. And I know that those download figures have increased a lot over the last few weeks as we're speaking, as we come towards Christmas 2022. Uh, My download figures have increased. I mean, people download podcasts as they get used to them anyway, as they discover them. So that will happen. No new podcaster gets loads of downloads in the first few episodes. But it's also true with Christmas podcasts that when it when you get into maybe October, maybe November, certainly December, people start seeking out Christmas podcasts. And what I'm hoping is that people will discover the Christmas Alphabet podcast as they come to Christmas and binge them, as they say, box set them. We'll yep. take we'll take all 26 episodes or as many as they can cope with through the Christmas season. And maybe they'll have their own advent calendar kind of Christmas podcast available for them and listen to the 26 episodes through 26 days of December. Who knows? Uh, but. The great thing about podcasts is you don't have to listen to them as they come out. You can listen to them whenever you choose. And if someone chooses to listen to my 26 episodes through whatever they define as the Christmas season going through into January, that's fine as well. And and the idea was that they then be there on record as a body of work, a set of recordings that people could listen to whenever they wanted. So when I came up with the idea of doing an A to Z what became the Christmas Alphabet podcast. It seemed to work for me. Uh, I didn't quite realise how much work I was letting myself in for. Yes. (laughs) Because doing a podcast every two weeks, when you have to fit that around holidays and around some very busy work times, because I do have a full-time job as well, uh, and illnesses, uh, getting COVID and all sorts of other things, then it's a bit of a nightmare. But... um, you know, on the other hand, it gives you something to stick at. It gives you a deadline, and I work well with deadlines. So uh, I've done it. I, I've achieved it. So I'm really pleased to be able to have that body of work, as I say, that people can then draw on this Christmas. Well, I'll, I'll pull my hands away from the microphone and just <laughs> applaud you for, for getting through all 26. That's, Thank you, Marv. Wow. <laughs> Hi, this is Amy Hughes from Cool for Cats, a Squeeze podcast, and I'd like to wish all of the listeners of Pods Like Us happy holidays and especially a very Merry Christmas. I I knew I was going to go somewhere then, and then my head's gone (laughs) completely off. While I think about it, what what is your earliest memory of podcast then? I mean, have you got a long history of listening to podcast and being a fan? Yeah, uh, I don't know if I can quite put my finger on it. I perhaps I need to tell you a bit about my history in order to answer that question. And I used to work for the BBC. Uh, yep. I've always been a a Baptist pastor, a, a, a church pastor. When I say always, not not since I was a baby, but I've been a Baptist pastor for oh thirty five years now. But I've, I've often been working in a church alongside other things. I've done the church work part time in, in a number of different other jobs that I've had. And for about, uh, what was it, 11 years, I was working for the BBC as a radio presenter and producer 
and a bit of background engineering work with the, B- with the BBC radio station, but mainly a producer and presenter. Uh, at the same time as being a Baptist minister in in part of my time as well. And so uh, that's where I learnt, well, developed my skills as a radio producer and presenter and audio editing and all the rest that comes with that. And at that time, I was starting to be involved with the BBC when the BBC were developing podcasts. Yep. So my first interest in podcasts was, as it were, from the other side, from working with some BBC producers who were starting to talk about podcasts. So we're talking about 10 or 12 years ago now, when podcasts weren't brand new, but they were only starting to become something that mainstream broadcasters were becoming, like the BBC, were becoming interested in. (laughs) Up until then, it was a few renegades who would never, ever work for the BBC or, you know, (laughs) mainstream broadcasters. (laughs) But then the BBC were thinking, hang on, perhaps we better get on this bandwagon. So I suppose my first interest in podcasting was as a as a member of staff of the BBC saying, should we as the BBC get involved with podcasting? So I used to listen to some podcasts out of almost out of research in behalf of the BBC and out of interest and soon became quite uh, a dedicated listener to podcasts. I'm not sure I can remember what those early podcasts were that I listened to. Their names elude me, but um You got some of those podcasts where people would send in questions for the podcast host to answer. There was one called The West Wing Weekly. Um, I'm a big fan of The West Wing television program. And there was one that the one of the actors in The West Wing and a fan uh, did together called The West Wing Weekly. That was one of the first podcasts I got absolutely hooked on. Uh, which has now run its course because they've they've worked through every single episode of the West Wing and brought it to an end. Uh, So some like that a long time ago, but I got into podcasts really through uh, my work as a professional broadcaster. Well, just touch on this really quickly then, because you've, you've brought, because I've, I've always been intrigued with this, with this, and I've not had the chance to actually speak to anybody who was involved, but what were the early days of the BBC getting into podcasting like? Was it touch and go? Was it was it sort of like a bit tentative to start with? And and was there a lot of discussion? And you know what was it like? I can't say I was involved with those decisions. Really, I was very junior. I wasn't. Yep. A, I wasn't a senior producer or okay. involved in management in this. But uh, I think it started with um, putting BBC programs online. And the BBC Radio iPlayer, which is now BBC Sounds. Yes. And that debate about whether they should stay within the BBC infrastructure only available through BBC or whether they should go be allowed to go further afield. And then what happened is that they were being pirated. So people were recording BBC programmes and then releasing them into the podcast environment uh that were clearly bbc programs but they were as it were pirated bbc programs so some bbc comedy programs like um i'm I'm sorry i'll read that again or some of the classic comedies some of the old comedies were being recorded and then podcasted put into the podcast world without the bbc's permission and then the bbc said "Mm, we better do this officially and other and then so then the bbc started going beyond just iplayer radio to what became bbc sound so it was forced upon the bbc not not unwillingly 
No. But uh, BBC became um, a, another player, but a major player then within podcasting. So where I was going to go earlier was that, um, and this touches on it really nicely, actually, is that your show, in a sense, and I don't know how this will be taken, but it sort of reminds me of programming when I was when I was younger, as a as a young kid in the late seventies and the in the eighties, as a young kid, and we we had radio in back on in those days in between the television, we'd have like a radio somewhere. It reminds me of those shows that you had leading up to Christmas, like the, hmm. the, the like the shows that you know you'd have um, Desmond, oh, what's his name, lovely guy, lives in used to live in Scotland, Desmond. I can't remember his surname now, but I remember shows like that, and the, and his show particularly had a comfortability to it, and you could almost yeah. picture him. And I loved the fact that he used to talk to his cat and let his cat out during <laughs> the show. And do you do you remember him? I mean, he's, I don't know. No, uh, Desmond Carrington. That's it. Oh, That's I know the chap's name. Desmond Carrington. Yeah, and um, I don't remember his cat. No, but he, he always he always used to say uh, at the end. He used to say, "Right," he says, "I'm going to have to finish now and let whatever the name <laughs> of the cat was out." <laughs> Okay. And it, there's just a comfortability to it that that is very, it harkens back to shows like that, that, you know, I've said it before, and I'll say this again, podcasts catch in a way what radio stations can't do in a sense with radio shows, because radio shows are always, understandably, looking at the numbers, which is what they are, because they are a business when all said and done. Yeah. And they, they do incredible work with the shows that they do. But a lot of podcasts catch the niche now, that or the little bits, the areas that radio stations, commercial radio or non-commercial, actually the bits that they can't get. Yeah, I tried to do a podcast. I, I do a podcast the way I, I used to make radio programmes, which is in an approachable, friendly way. Um, I talk about what I'm passionate about, so I hope it comes over as something passionate. It's got... It's something that I think if I'm interested in it, other people will, I hope, will be interested in it. Some people are not interested, of course, but for those who have the same uh, peculiar, strange interests as myself, it's narrow casting rather than broadcasting. It's it's just for that niche interest. But I hope for those who have that interest, it's engaging, it's friendly. Um, I hope I have the kind of voice and persona in the programme that draws people in. Uh, yeah, it's fireside radio, I suppose, in podcast form. That's that's what I'm aiming at. I'm not trying to be hip and trendy and contemporary. I'm a, I'm a I'm not a young man, you know. I'm a middle aged or older. <laughs> how old, how old can you be and still be middle aged? I'm getting on a bit, um, and I'm not trying to disguise. You know, I'm not trying to pretend I'm a kid. Uh, I'm just. But I've got an enthusiasm for what I do, so I'm, I, I don't want to be boring. I want to be lively, but also, as I say, a bit a bit cosy as well, a bit comfortable. So I try to do I, that's that's what I'm trying to be when I present the program. Just be myself, really. It's all we can do. It's the best thing we can be is to be ourselves. And and also uh, the lesson I learned in radio that I'm sure all podcasters know is that when you speak to your listener, you, you're you're speaking to one person. You're not saying hello, hundreds of listeners out there, or even five or six listeners out there. <laughs> You're saying hello, listener. Hello, you who's decided to download this podcast. Thank you for doing that. Glad to have a chat with you today. 
And that's how it should sound as if you're just having a chat with the one person who's got their headphones on, whatever they're doing, while they're doing something else while they're listening to your podcast. And I hope that's how it comes over. It does. And the production helps helps with that as well, where you've got the, the musical interludes between each section. And there's almost, I, in a sense, there's almost a magazine style, t- yeah. style television show feel about it where, so you won't, stick too long on the same le- right. on the same word or the same thing about the about the the subject that so a you'll pick this angels you'll speak about angels for so long you'll speak about this for so long you don't stick to the subject for so long then you have a nice break with a little music where you where you remind people I'm list you're listening to the Christmas alphabet podcast and, and the letter a is for or the letter c d is for this so it's it's quick moving to a point, but also not quick moving that it skates past it too quickly. Mm-hmm. It stays long enough on the subject without it overstaying its welcome. Yeah, I hope that's how it comes over. That's what I'm aiming at. Sometimes being a bit of a nerd on these things, I'd like to spend, you know, half an hour talking about one subject, but I know that's not what the listeners want, so I Sometimes I just have to stop myself and say, no, that's enough. Don't go down that dead end. Don't go, don't go too far into that. That's you've written enough on this now because it's all scripted and it's all uh, thought through what to say and what not to say. And, and part of the art of writing for podcasts is knowing when to stop. Absolutely. That's a very good lead into this question then. <laughs> so when you're scripting then, how do you research the subject and how well scripted is it is it solid everything that you write down is exactly how it's spoken on the show uh it's it is scripted it is largely scripted although i give myself the option of not saying exactly what i've written down i'm pretty experienced at writing for radio writing for speaking so i don't write you wouldn't write a script for a podcast or for radio the way in which you'd write for uh, as if someone's going to read it. So I'm used to that. Also being a preacher, I'm used to writing for for for, for public speaking. I suppose that helps, although it's a different format. I'm not reaching. I'm not writing a sermon, obviously, but uh, it's the same idea that you're writing something you know you're going to speak. But then when I come to uh, deliver the script, as it were, um, quite often I'll change bits of it. Quite often I'll just say it in a more natural way than I've got in front of me, and. I don't mind if I go off script a bit or it's just something comes into my head as I'm saying it. I know that I can edit it afterwards. I don't want to do too much editing, but I know I can edit it. If I decide to say something different, I can say that, or I might say the same thing in two or three different ways and then listen back to which one came out the best because then I can edit that afterwards. So it is largely scripted. Yes. And I could just publish a transcript but it wouldn't the, the script wouldn't be exactly what you hear in the podcast and you do serious research as well so is is that the yeah. old wikipedia or uh wikipedia is useful though i i would never just read out what's on wikipedia because that's plagiarism for a start but also it's not helpful anyone can go to wikipedia and look it up i i do i've got lots of books i've been collecting christmas books all my adult life I've got a full bookshelf. I've got a, a IKEA Billy bookcase 
absolutely full and overflowing of Christmas books. I'm also a collector of vintage Christmas cards. So I've got lots of books about Christmas cards and Christmas card collecting. But I've got and I also collect carol books. So I've got a bookcase full of Christmas related books and cards. So I think I'm, I think I own about 300 books or booklets relating to Christmas. Uh, then I've got three or four Christmas encyclopedias. Um, the best of those is the World Encyclopedia of Christmas by Jerry Bowler, which has, which is an A to Z of Christmas, which is pretty useful for my show, really. Yes. So I'll, I often start there and just saying, oh, what does Jerry Bowler have under this letter? Uh, and he gives me some good tips of perhaps where I go. Uh, I don't, again, I don't follow slavishly what he has included, and I don't read out what he has written either. But sometimes I'll think, oh, that's a good starting point, and I'll adapt that. He doesn't include a lot of the popular things like pop songs and some of the more modern music or mo modern films, so I have to research those. There, there's a couple of good websites of A to Z of Christmas songs, which I'll go to to say, oh, yeah, I'd forgotten about that one. Uh, so I have a few go-to websites, lots and lots of books. Wikipedia is helpful for finding out some details of information that I might not have known, you know, like when Jingle Bells was first recorded or how many different versions of Silent Night there are or things like that, as long as I can double-check that information somewhere else and don't just take it that, that what it says is definitely true. So I do a lot of research. Uh, but then I I, uh, I have a lot of information stored in my head as well because I've been reading these books. Uh, I don't just own books. I've read them, pretty much all of them. And I don't remember everything I read, of course. Who does? But, you know, a lot of things I've stored away in my memory over the years. And so I think, oh, yeah, yeah, I think I read about that. You know, I think that's in that book that I can go back to. Or uh, it, it is. It has been a lifelong passion of mine. So a lot of it I just dredge out of my memory. And that helps. So I rely on all those different sources. Um, and I say some of it's personal memory, some of it's what's going on in the world. So you just speak from memory and experience then. The Wankipedia. Yeah. <laughs> but I like those moments where you are speaking from memory and I find the same, I'm going to go back to him again. I find the same when Brian Earl on yeah. Christmas past, when he, mentions things from his own his own memories as well and there's something very special about that that it brings the presenter in the show out more to the person that's listening then it, yeah. it grabs their attention more because that's the personality of the person shining through in the show yeah i think it's important that you when you're presenting anything like that on a podcast that you you come over as a rounded human being you're not just there as a personality presenter or a source of information. You're a, you're a human being and you want to be come over as someone who can, who can be the, the listener's friend. But, uh, while you were looking at books as well, I just dug these two out. Right. That oh, are yeah. based on, so Beth Kempton, Calm Christmas and a Happy New Year. She does a she's did she did a really good series Christmas series called Calm Christmas podcast and that is a, that is a lovely podcast where she quotes from certain different traditions and it's got really interesting stories in there or anecdotes and you know you you might yeah. find that interesting I don't know I haven't seen that one that's good 
And then that's Christmas movies. I'll be home for Christmas. Yeah. And they are people who do, I think they do Deck the Hallmark. Yeah. And they go through all the Christmas films that are on these on Hallmark and all these other Christmas yeah. things. So podcasting's costing me a fortune in books. <laughs> Hi, this is David from This Goose is Cooked. And we would like to wish all the listeners of Pods Like Us a very Merry Christmas. And if you're having trouble writing your Christmas cards, remember, a picture is worth a thousand words. So how did you actually get the show started then in the first place? And what made you actually suddenly decide to to actually say, you know, I'm going to make this show? Okay, so from listening to podcasts and uh, having lots of podcasts on my phone, I then wanted to find out what whether there were meant any Christmas podcasts out there, because being Christmas, as, as I say, with all these books I've bought and all this research I've done, and uh, I used to go on, on BBC Radio when I was a radio producer doing a Christmas feature. I went on an afternoon show on BBC Local Radio uh, with a questions and answers about Christmas, and people would phone in and say, uh, tell me why this Christmas tradition and that happened and this one did, and I was... I was Mr. Christmas on BBC Local Radio for a while. So uh, I, had this, I had this interest and knowledge about Christmas, and I thought, I wonder if anyone's ever done a Christmas podcast. In all innocence, I didn't know. So I, I had a search for them, and I found some really good Christmas podcasts. First of all, one called Christmas Stocking by Lee Cameron, which was the thing that really got me interested in Christmas podcasts. Sadly, he doesn't, hasn't produced it for the last three or four years. Maybe he'll come back to it. But Lee Cameron really was my inspiration. And he was the, also the inspiration for the, one, the guy we've mentioned a few times now, Brian Earle and his Christmas Past podcast. At that time, it seemed all Christmas podcasts were American, which is fine, but I wanted to do something more British. And then just as I was planning, could I do a Christmas podcast? Is there a different <laughs> twist, a different angle, a different aspect of Christmas I could do? Could I do Christmas in Britain as a podcast? Uh, just as I was thinking about that, then one or two British Christmas podcasts started appearing, got in just a bit before me. And I thought, mm, I'm going to have to do something different that isn't just how do we do Christmas in Britain. And I didn't want to have to do a lot on, uh, you know, Christmas television episodes like Christmas Porridge and Christmas Vicar of Dibley and Christmas Gavin and Cece. I didn't want to all to be about that. Uh, and, you know, why why Christmas in Britain is different from Christmas in America and things like that. Some of that's interesting, but I didn't want to do a whole podcast on that. So uh racked my brains for an idea until just thinking about it a lot. I came upon this idea of Christmas alphabet. And um, as soon as I got that idea, uh, I thought I'm going to have to, I think I, I came, came upon that idea uh, in sort of late in the year, last year, and thought, I'm going to have to start this now because I want to do A for Advent. So got it together quite quickly then and uh, researched the best way to uh, record and publish a podcast. I had done a couple of podcasts before. Uh, yep. One podcast that was quite successful was one I'd done for the local Christian community within my city of Manchester, where I live, uh, called Faith in Manchester, which had been showcasing a lot of good things that are happening within the Christian community in Manchester. Obviously, it has a limited appeal, <laughs> only really was of interest to Christians or people interested in Christian activities and only really interested in interest for people in Manchester. It was one of the ultimate niche podcasts. But 
it was an experience for me of doing podcasts and interviewing people. Uh, and it meant I knew how to put a podcast together. So when it when Christmas Alphabet came along, I was comfortable in knowing how to do it, how to do the production, how to get it out there. And so Christmas Alphabet sort of took over my time from other attempts at podcasts I'd been doing. And uh, yeah, it all came together quite quickly once I got the idea. Yep, that podcast you were doing, Faith in Manchester, I mean, you'd be surprised because there are shows where people think, oh, nobody's going to listen to this. But then I fairly frequently listen to a podcast that's all about the local goings-on in a place, I can't remember the title of of the podcast now, but uh, it's somewhere, I think, near Pittsburgh. And for yeah. some reason, I listen to that show because I find the way that they approach the subject, because back in the 80s, I used to be a fan of, um, of oh, um, I can't remember the name of the show now. It was on a Sunday afternoon. But they had, but the way that they did it was interesting, and these people do it the same way. Yeah. It's just, so... It's amazing the sort of shows where people listen, you know, and you'll think, yes. why is this person listening to this show when yeah. it's based in this area? You know, so your show about Manchester, you never know, somebody in yeah. somebody in Tokyo could be could have listened to every single episode and be thinking, when's the next one coming out? <laughs> yes, that's the way podcasts work. You never know who's listening. That's true. So... Recording and editing, then you mentioned it in passing. So how do you actually record the show and then edit it together? Right. um, I write my script and then I set up my um, software. I I record it on a desktop computer with a microphone plugged into it. I've got a reasonably good sort of studio feel here in in my home office where I'm talking to you from today. Uh, I've got a bit of audio dampening around so it isn't too echoey. I've closed some curtains and make sure it's uh, reasonable. It's not nothing like a professional studio. I've used professional studios for many years and it isn't that. But having a decent microphone uh, plugged into a computer is good enough for me. And I record on Adobe Audition, sometimes on Audacity, which is the, a free version of uh, an audio recording software, which is quite good enough. But I happen to have a copy of Adobe Audition years old, but that, that I'm I'm happier with, I'm more comfortable with. It's more like the stuff that I used to use at the BBC, so I'm quite comfortable with the complexity of it. And it, you can do lots and lots of multi-tracking on that, which uh, I, I do for when I come to mix it. So I record the audio, record me speaking, basically, yep. and then I decide what music I want to put with it. I have a an opening and closing theme music, which I put on. And then I have some illustrative music. Uh, so if I'm talking about uh, a song, I, I include a bit of that song. I try and include no more than 30 seconds, uh, which uh, is there, there is a gray area about where, where you're breaking yeah. copyright. I mean, technically, that, so, that music I use, say if I'm talking about um, uh, a, 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 a song like um, a, Christmas, a Christmas hit, like a Whitney Houston Christmas hit or something. Uh, if I play it, I am technically breaking copyright. But I think the understanding is if you if you play a song that you're talking about, that you're recommending, and you play only a short amount of it, I limit it to 30 seconds, then you are doing what, what they call um, 
reviewing you using it for review purposes and that normally will will satisfy the copyright holders that you're not trying to break copyright i'm not playing the whole song i'm not using the whole song just to boost my numbers because people want to hear some whitney um that i'm I'm playing um a, a song because i'm talking about it and i'm using it to illustrate what i'm talking about so if anything it will boost the sales of that song rather than stop people buying it um and I, and I, but then I also use a lot of non-copyright music, which I tend to get um, well, from various sites. I use Pixabay Music quite a bit, or YouTube um, copyright-free. Uh, I also have a friend who's a pianist, and he's recorded a, a whole album of Christmas carols uh, on piano, uh, on electric piano, and I, he, I've got his permission. A lot of the, a lot of that music isn't copyrighted because it's old carols, yep. and he's given me a CD of him playing these carols, and that's great because I use a lot of that. So that's something that's been personally recorded, not just for me, but he's he said I can use it. Uh, so I I have a lot of um, music available to me, and some um, very old sound effects uh, uh, that I, I have on my computer that I I put in there like jingle bell sounds and things like that that are well out of copyright uh so then i mix all that together on adobe audition put it all right all, all together all the bits and pieces the sound effects the, the 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 featured music and then once i've got all that then i then i have the music that goes under the voice yep and i when i was with the bbc i would never put music under the voice that wasn't bbc style if you were doing a bbc uh piece of music and voice you wouldn't put the music under the voice that wasn't bbc style but i think in this day and age and particularly in podcasts people are used to hearing music at the same time as someone talking it has to be instrumental music i find that if you've got music with lyrics under a voice it stops people hearing the voice and particularly with older listeners if the music's too loud they say i can't hear what you're saying the music's too loud and I'm an older listener. My ears are less sensitive to voice to those different frequencies than they were when I was younger. So I make sure the music really quiet uh, up to the point where I think some people are stop being aware of the music, but the music is still there. And for that, I use a lot of that non-copyright music. And I have certain, I only have about a dozen pieces of music that I use to go to underlay my voice. So that's the last thing I mix into it. Uh, and make sure I'm very careful that I don't play that too loud. But sometimes I listen to it over and over again to say, is this loud enough? Is it too loud? So what I'm telling you is I spend a lot of time editing, a lot of time editing my speech, yep. a lot of time putting the, getting the music just right. Um, and when, it, when you say I have different segments, so I might speak about, you know, Santa Claus for a couple of minutes and about stockings for a couple of minutes and about each each individual item has its own music bed yep which is different and appropriate so if i'm talking about a christmas tree i might have the song o tannenbaum which is the german for christmas tree playing under the christmas tree piece and i don't know if the listeners twig that or twig is a bit of a pun sorry i don't know if the listeners <laughs> realize that i'm playing a song about a christmas tree while i'm talking about a christmas tree but I know, and it satisfies me. I don't even, I never, listeners have never said, that's a very cl- clever choice of music you were using there. No one's ever said that. But I say it to myself. I think, oh, that was, that was cleverly chosen. Well done. 
And uh, <laughs> um, so, so I did a bit about Christmas in Ukraine and I made sure I played some Ukrainian music underneath it. And um, I, I tried to choose the music appropriately is what I'm saying. And if I'm talking about something lighthearted and jolly, I'll probably put some jollier music underneath it. If I'm talking something a bit more serious, I might put some more gentle, serious, perhaps a, a piece of um, a come manual or some more very serious Christmas carol type music underneath it. I do think very carefully about the music I use because music sets a mood. That's the main thing music does. It makes you feel in a certain way. It makes you react emotionally to what you're hearing in a very particular way. So from my years as a professional broadcaster, um, that matters to me. Maybe I'm a bit of a geek when it comes to that. But I spend a lot of time working on that. You and I are both geeks then, because this episode, <laughs> when it comes out, oh, will, yes. be, will be the opening will be the Christmas version of the of the theme. <laughs> oh, yes. But because somebody said to me when they first heard the Christmas version of the theme, they said, they said, wow, how did you do that? This, that, and the other. And I, and I said, well, I got my glockenspiel out and my sleigh bells <laughs> and I did it myself. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. But, but so, yes, you know, I, I pay attention to things like that. If, if it's going to be an episode that's Christmas related, of course yeah. it's got to have Christmas music in there. Yeah. Have your sleigh bells going in it? Absolutely. Yeah. Have the sleigh bells going. But um, so I'm guessing when I get to M eventually that w will I be hearing, will I not be hearing John Lennon then at, at M? Um, oh, no, it's H, isn't it? Is it happy or is it happy Christmas? I actually include the John Lennon song in X. Okay. Because I had to save some things for X. This is something I had to do is start planning ahead. Okay. So early on in the alphabet, I thought, what am I going to put in letter X? So I came up with, I planned my X episode um, a long way in advance. Yep. So uh, there's two songs, there's two British Christmas songs that were both released in the 70s that are titled with the word Xmas. Although they say Christmas, in the official release title, they, they have Xmas in them. Do you know what they are? There's a little quiz question for you, Mark. Um, one is the John Lennon one. So one is the John Lennon one, Happy which Christmas is War is over. Um, which is Happy uh, Happy Christmas, Xmas War is over. Xmas War is over. Fish two released yep. by John John Lennon and Yoko Ono and the uh, Harlem Gospel Choir, I think it is. Yes. Yep. Which um, is my favourite Christmas hit. And the other one is the one of the biggest Christmas songs of all time in Britain, which is Slade. Merry Xmas, every Merry. Merry Xmas, everyone, everybody. That's it, everybody, yes. Yep. Um, and both of those use the word Xmas in the official title. Although I don't think you're supposed to say Xmas, you're supposed to no. say Christmas. That's the thing about the word Xmas. Uh, it, you see it written down as Xmas, but it's actually pronounced Christmas. It is. Which is yes. what I say in, in, in the letter X. My, main, my first X is X for Xmas, but please pronounce it Christmas. <laughs> okay. So uh, a while till I get to that one. So for X, here's a little uh, spoiler for you. For X, I've got songs beginning that's, that have got Xmas in the title. I've got Xmas itself. And one of the big one, which is the X Factor at Christmas and how the X Factor came to dominate the Christmas pop charts in Britain. There you go. 
Well, could, could, you know, you're pulling me on a tangent here, Wayne. <laughs> had it. But it's one of those things that at Christmas, I mean, especially when I was a kid, it was what will be the number one at Christmas and yes. also who's going to be on top of the pops in England Oh yeah, on that show for the Christmas show as well. And so music, I think, is a really important bit of piece of Christmas. And I find it fascinating that during a, like a two, three-year period of the early 70s, we suddenly got inundated with all of these Christmas songs that are absolute, you know, classic songs now. So you've got, you know, Lonely This Christmas by Mud. You've got I Wish It Could Be Christmas Every Day by Wizard. You've got the John Lennon and Yoko Ono song. You've got the Slade song. Uh, you've got, um, uh, oh, Greg Lake. That was from mm-hmm. the same three-year period. Father Christmas, but yeah. There are so many songs from that era that, that just... You know, they're just stuck there and they Cliff are... Richard, yeah. But yeah, hard, Richard, hardly yeah. anything more recently. No, no. Uh, Ed Sheeran and Elton John had a go um, with a Chris, with a, a, a Christmassy Christmas song. Okay. They didn't quite get to number one, but that's because they gave way to uh, Lad Baby. But, uh, yeah, very few actual Christmassy Christmas songs around these days. Well, Elton's going to have trouble trying to beat Step Into Christmas, isn't he, really? <laughs> I don't like Step Into Christmas. It's one of my <laughs> least favourite. It's not. It doesn't sound Christmassy, and it doesn't say very much. It's, it's all right. It's all right. It'll be on my, it's on my extended Christmas playlist, but it's not <laughs> one of my favourites. You put it on in the background and just talk over it rather than yeah, stop to listen. Yeah, probably, yeah. yeah. Hi, it's Stephen. Hi, I'm John Mackay. <laughs> Hi, it's Stephen. Hi, it's Paul. And we are from Trimming These Cold Fat Podcast, and we want to wish Marv and all the pods like us listeners a... Merry Christmas! And a Happy New Year. So, how do you choose what you're actually going to mention, then? In these letters where you've got lots of options, how do you choose... In a sense, I'm actually saying, how do you choose what not to include in the episodes? Uh, I try and get a variety. I always finish with a song, yep. sometimes two songs. Uh, I like, my my preference is for more traditional Christmas music, though I know people like a lot of the Christmas pop music. Also, the traditional Christmas music tends not to be copyrighted, so I can play more of it on the podcast, uh, which is an advantage. So I, I like Christmas carols. I'll, I'll often include more Christmas carols than pop songs. No, I do include all of all of it, the range. So I'll try and include some music, some film, some popular culture, some history. So I try and put in a range of different things, some uh, Bible and uh, religious uh, uh, parts of Christmas, uh, but not too much of that. Um, I try and have a variety through the episodes, so I won't be repeating what I've done in previous episodes, certainly not in the in the pre the, the previous one or two episodes uh so that's that's what i'm bearing in mind as well and with an episode within an episode i try not to do too much you get some episodes where there's sort of 10 songs all starting with the same letter and i might just give a really quick mention to eight of them and then just feature a couple of them uh which is a shame because some of those songs are excellent and could have done with a long time on their own but you can't do that because of the restraints of what I've chosen to do. 
so you've just got to make a decision each time, really. Sometimes I'm struggling for things, and I have to include things that don't really deserve a place, but I find them fascinating anyway. Uh, so in the letter U, I included the um, Shetland tradition of Uphelia, which is a New Year tradition of, of setting fire to things at, at, at New Year, which isn't strictly Christmas and is a bit niche in itself. But, you know, I needed something for you. And it was, I found it interesting doing a bit of research and saying, well, we learn something every day. So sometimes I'm scrabbling around for things, to be honest. But a lot of the time, as you say, it is a matter of, well, what can I leave out? What What should I leave out? And then it's taking into account all those factors that I said. Well, Uphelia, that reminds me of on the continent, when I was younger, we stayed in, or we lived for a short while in, in Holland. Yeah. And they they had this uh, tradition back then where they used to, when the new year came, I think it was about the 3rd or the 4th of January, they actually set fire to their, in a, in a big public display, they set fire to their Christmas trees, yeah. or they used to. I don't know whether they do it anymore, you know, because of global warming and damage to the ozone and everything. I don't know whether that's allowed. But So there's all these little traditions like that that have a similarity to each other. Yeah. That was quite a Catholic tradition, although the Netherlands is more of a Protestant country, but there was a Catholic tradition of burning the Christmas tree and then collecting the ashes from the Christmas tree and using those on Ash Wednesday when Catholics traditionally put a sign of a cross using using ashes on their head as a sign of penitence through Lent, Ash Wednesday being the first day of Lent, yeah. in a way of, say, of reminding yourself to have a particular time of um, a, a, a penitence of self-control through Lent. And the ashes that they use in some Catholic traditions are the ashes from the Christmas tree that they've burnt uh, at the end of the Christmas season. Well, that sort of works in a sense because of, you know, it's so the, the, the tree is around the time of, you know, when we celebrate, you know, the birth of Christ. And then when you get the Ash Wednesday, you're getting closer to Easter anyway. So it's, it's almost, almost fitting really that that, yeah. that, that works that way. Yeah. So it is an interesting one. I don't know whether you were looking forward to this or not. What would you say are five things to you personally are essential for Christmas? Oh, five things. You've, you've caught me thinking about that then, Marv. Um, I would say uh, family. Yep. Uh, where we can. Some of us don't have family to celebrate with, but being with loved ones, family is what you make it. We all have families of different sh shapes and sizes these days. Uh, for me, it would be being with my wife and my, and, and if possible, with my children. I've got two grown-up children uh, being together. Uh, for me, it's also uh, celebrating the birth of Jesus, expressing my faith. For me, Christmas is a Christian festival, and that matters very much to me. So I would want to be with my Christian family, with church, uh, not necessarily just attending worship, but that would be part of it. But remembering the birth of Jesus at Christmas is part, not all that Christmas is about for me, but it's a, a major part of what Christmas is about for me. So uh, family, faith, and carrying on the eths, I would say food. <laughs> um, I, I love the 
I mean, I, I like eating anyway, but I think doing different foods at Christmas, I think, is a part of the essential part of Christmas. It doesn't have to be turkey. It doesn't have to be Christmas pudding. But do, making an effort, doing something special in terms of a, a special dinner or a um, feasting a little, you know, at Christmas would be would be there, I think, as, a, as an essential part of Christmas. And I think just that sense of um, generosity of, if you want an F, kind of fellowship, I suppose, of feeling, of, of, of feeling uh, togetherness with, with people, with your community, with, your, uh, with, with those around you, uh, that, that sense of uh, giving and receiving, not necessarily getting presents, but the, the, the idea that it's a time of year for sharing, of caring for those in need, of looking after our community, looking after one another. That would be, I think Christmas wouldn't be Christmas if it if it just became a selfish and self-seeking time of the year. So uh, time for generosity and caring. Um, I'm wondering if there's another F, because I'd love to do, give you five Fs there, Mark, but I can't think of another one. Well, you are the alphabet man. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, those are the things that Christmas are about. I mean, and just, I suppose fun might be the fifth one, just just enjoying yourself just having it having a time of the year when you can say let's um let's just enjoy ourselves just let our hair down not i've got much hair anymore but just letting your hair down so there's five f's for you will that do that's that'll do for me yes that's that's great well done that's that's your f your second season episode on f is is ready (laughs) I'm, i'm guessing we're not looking forward to a season two then Right. I, I wondered if you were going to ask this question because this, this is the question that I get asked more than anything else. What are you going to do after the letter's head? Yes. To which my answer is, I don't know. And I still don't know. My, I've, always, I've, I've, I've got into, over the last few programmes, I've started saying, when we come to the letter Z, that will be the end of season one or series one, as we say in Britain. Season yes. is very much an Americanism, but there you are. Uh, so... I'm not saying this is the end of Christmas alphabet, but neither am I saying I'm going to start again at the letter A and start again, because I'm really not sure I've got the time or resources or imagination to start at the letter A again, (laughs) (laughs) because I frankly did do all I could for each of, for, for many of those episodes. Yeah. There were some where I left out significant things, some of the easier letters, but, uh, I don't think I can do A to Z again. But I'd love to carry on podcasting. Doing a podcast every two weeks has really taken my resources. And I think I might resort to doing some less frequent episodes about unexpected bits of Christmas. How I fit that into the Christmas alphabet format, I haven't yet worked out. No. So what I've been saying recently is if any listeners have got any ideas more creative than mine, then I'd love to hear them. But... I'm not sure. I, I think for the sake of getting through to Christmas, I'm going to do at least one more episode between Z and Christmas 2022, uh, summing things up, saying, you know, highlights of the Christmas alphabet or things I, things I missed out that I should have missed out, I should have included, or somebody suggested doing a, an A to Z in one episode of uh, my favourite things beginning with A to Z in one episode. 
I I haven't decided to be honest. I don't know where I'm going with it, and um, it won't be until I've recovered after that episode Z that I make that decision. It's all right. I've got an idea for you that I'm about oh, no. to show you. You ready for this? There you go, Wayne. How? What do you think of that? An Ask Wayne episode. Ask Wayne, so, yeah. So listeners sending questions for you to answer. Yeah, um, I've done that. I've done similar things on YouTube where yeah. I've done live YouTube episodes. I did one of those on Christmas. I've done a bit of YouTube and we haven't mentioned that. Okay. Um, Pl- plug away. How can you find like, that? Something like that on YouTube or on a live medium works well. Yes. Not sure it quite works in podcasts. I've had very little, uh, comparatively little feedback. I know people are downloading and listening to my podcasts, but I don't know what you find as a podcaster, Marv, but I find I don't get a lot of feedback. Uh, And why should people write to me? Every every episode I say, here's my email address. Here's how you can get in touch with me on Facebook, blah, blah, blah. People don't. That's fair enough. There's no reason they should. (laughs) They don't know me. I'm just a voice that they hear and they go, oh, yeah, very nice. What's next? <laughs> um, I understand that. I'm not complaining about it. But in practice, you don't get a lot of feedback. I've got half a dozen, three or four, really, who regularly get in touch with me and say, yeah, I like that episode. What about this? What about that? Here's an idea for your ex episode or here's, you know, and that's great. That's lovely. It really is. Really appreciate it. Yeah. But it's a very small number compared to the number I know do regularly download the episodes. <laughs> so I'm not sure saying uh ask me a question is what work i'm not saying just for me i don't think it's what works on podcasts very well unless you're one of these podcasts that have got hundreds of thousands of listeners and that has been your premise of the podcast from the beginning i know some there's some kind of ask me a question podcast but uh it's difficult to create that in podcast form i think yes unless Um, you know better unless we can get people to send you voice messages Yep. Love to do that. Love to include other people's voices. Okay. If you want to do that, you can, I can give you my email address at the end of this. I'm sure Marv will give room for that. And I, and you get ready to take my, my email address and very happy to receive your emails in written or voice form. Absolutely. So before I forget, I, I, we were talking before we started started this show officially. We were talking, and I was going to say about the release schedule that you have yeah. on a Thursday night. And I actually release mine on a Sunday morning at 2 o'clock in the morning, so it's close in time-wise to when it's released. And I actually find that when you release around that time, mid middle of the night in the UK, yeah. when I then wake up or I look then later like in the morning, I'll suddenly find that there have been listens to the show because you've hit the sweet spot in America, essentially where you've hit at midnight, you've hit 4 PM Pacific time and 7 PM Eastern standard time in America, which is a brilliant time for catching the, the American public who are listening, who are wanting to get a podcast. Yeah, mine, mine are released um, every fortnight on a Friday is what I say, but they actually go out, they actually go live at midnight Friday British time. So I think of it as being before, before I go to bed on a Thursday night, I have to set it up to 
make sure it's going to go live at midnight uh, on as Friday begins, as it were, British yes. time. <laughs> so it's there for Friday morning for British listeners. But you're right. Some, and then sometimes, and then I back it up by putting posts on social media. But sometimes when I'm running late, my social media posts, my Facebook and Twitter and post things, yeah. I don't actually get around to till Friday morning. Till I get to wake up on a Friday morning, I think, oh, I, I didn't put that that Facebook post didn't go live yet, so I better do that. But sometimes I'm getting emails from American listeners before I've put it up on Facebook that the yep. that the episode is live. Even though I put it on a episode, I, I I put it on Facebook first thing in the morning my time, and say, you know, that episode's live now. And and by then I've already had emails sometimes from some of my most keen listeners in in the states who have said, yeah, I like this episode, or what about this on this episode? And I think, hang on, how have you listened to that? <laughs> oh yes, you're in a different time zone, aren't you? Yes. It's 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 been early evening where you are. So before I've even as far as I'm concerned, alerted the listeners to the fact it's there because I don't think in that way. Uh, it's actually gone live on all the podcast feeds um, through the night, as far as I'm concerned, but through the evening, as far as Americans are concerned. Yeah, it's a weird thing, time zones, isn't it? Or in the afternoon in Australia. Right, yes. Yes, maybe so. It's it's a weird world, if you think about it, because we are <laughs> in it. It's in, it's an international Think it's all over yeah. the world. This podcast, so it is, yes. you'll suddenly get people listening in these these countries. But what I was hinting at there is also that when you wake up and because because I've done this, I've not I've not promoted it when it's gone out straight away at that moment. Yeah, and then I'll wake up and I'll notice that I've already got these numbers. Yes, that have downloaded the episode and listened, and you think, wow. It's fantastic that we've got those people that will ardently listen to the show without the promotion there. Yeah. Yeah, that happens because uh, people have it on their – they have a subscription. I mean, that's the the best thing you can get as a podcaster is someone who's subscribed to it on their podcast player. And so it automatically downloads. And I mean, I have things that automatically download onto my player that I don't listen to straight away, but it seems that there's some people who are keen enough to say, as soon as this downloads onto my phone or whatever it is, I'm going to listen to it straight away. And that's a real compliment if, as a podcaster if someone's done that. That's an upcoming question as well. Okay. Okay. So first of all, before we get to that, what advice would you give to people if they wanted to start their own podcast? Uh, go for it. Uh, listen to lots of podcasts. Think carefully about what your listeners will want, but also do something that you would want to listen to. Yep. Do something that you are passionate about because someone else somewhere will also be passionate about it. Most podcasts are of nature a bit nerdy. They're, they're something that are of narrow interest, but that means that there will be some people who are, have that same fairly narrow interest as you do. Uh, and you've got to hit that niche. If you're just going to do a, you know, review the next, the big Hollywood films or something, someone somewhere is doing that better than you're going to do it, to be honest. But if you can do something that's no one else is doing, then someone will listen to what you're doing. Finding that niche is the, the tough bit. But if you can find that niche, great. You've, you've, you've hit, 
the first uh, the first target of, of podcasting, and then make it good. Make it good by getting it technically good, doing a decent recording, having an interesting voice. Uh, decide whether you're going to have guests or whether it's just going to be a solo. Mine is mainly solo. Occasionally I've had guests, but generally it's just me. In which case you've got to work even harder at making your voice interesting, at making your content varied, uh, breaking it up into chunks or whatever. And uh, think about think about your listener all the time. That's true with any communication. Be, be uh, receiver orientated, as they say. Say the person who's going to listen to this what do they make of it? Uh, what what will be what will be good for the listener? Uh, I'm I'm throwing out lots of ideas here, not in yep. a very constructive fashion, possibly, but uh, yeah. But listen listen to other podcasts and and say what what do you what was good about that? What do I like about it? And then try and copy them. Recently, just <laughs> copy the best that you hear, learn best practice, and do the best you the best that you hear. Yep. Listen to what's out there and whatever you listen to, see if it works for you as a per- personally. Yeah. So why, why, why did I enjoy that? What was good about it? And can I do something not to be, be, pretend to be that person, do it as yourself, Yep. but do whatever was good about that uh, in the way that, that is you doing it. Absolutely. So what other podcasts do you actually listen to? Um, I, listen, I listen to lots of BBC podcasts still. I'm still quite loyal to the BBC, so a lot of BBC comedy podcasts, news podcasts, um, politics. I listen to a lot of history podcasts. The History Extra podcast is really good. I listen to podcasts called The History of the English Language, which is so far about 200 episodes, taking the looking at the history of what it says on the tin, the history of English. Uh, which is a, fas- a fascinating way into history. Um, I listened to a, a rather quirky podcast, which I'd recommend to anyone called The Unmade Podcast, which is yep. two blokes, blokey blokes, but very friendly and unassuming blokes. One, two old school friends, both Australian, but one who now lives in Britain and one who still lives in Australia, who get together to talk about things uh, all sorts of things. The basic premise of the podcast is what should we make a podcast about that hasn't yet been made? So it's a bit like wow. your show, Marvin, and it's about podcasting. But okay. it's saying, what's an idea for a podcast? Probably one we'll never make and will remain unmade. But what's a good idea for a podcast? And on that fairly flimsy framework, they just it's just two men talking, but it's a delightful podcast, the unmade podcast. I'm also interested in um, the history of broadcasting. So I listened to a fantastic podcast called The British Broadcasting Century. Yeah. We're, we're, we're at the centenary of the BBC at the moment. Yeah. And this is a, it's not a BBC podcast, this one. It's made by a man Paul, called Paul Carenza, who's also written a book about Christmas, which I love. And he's a comedian and a comedy writer, writes for um, uh, Miranda and other BBC comedy programmes. And he's um, did a fantastic podcast called The British Broadcasting Century about the history of the of, of British broadcasting, not just the BBC, but of radio. And later he's going to go on to television within Britain. And then I listen to lots of other Christmas 
podcasts. We've already mentioned Christmas Past, but we can't mention that often enough because it's fantastic. Also listen to uh, the Total Christmas Podcast, which is a with another Jack. British podcast with a guy called Jack. I've, I've uh, guested on that a few times. Uh, Can't Wait for Christmas Podcast, which is, a again, a bit of a comedy podcast with serious bits in it. Uh, where they spend many episodes debating things like um, whether a film like Die Hard is a Christmas film or not. Um, it is, by the way. Uh, another British Christmas podcast called Merry Britsmas. Uh, lots of Christmas podcasts out there. So that's just a flavour. I listen to lots of podcasts, basically. That's good. So where can people find you and get hold of you then, Wayne? Okay, uh, Christmas Alphabet Podcast is on all the normal podcast providers. Um, I have a website. Well, there, there is a website called christmasalphabet.com. There's not much on there. I used to have more content on there, and then it crashed and all the content got eaten up. So Christmas Alphabet Podcast now is the home of all the episodes and a little bit about me, but not much else. But you can find all the episodes if they ever get lost anywhere else, they all live permanently on christmasalphabet.com. And you can also email me through that. So my email address is wayne at christmasalphabet.com. I'm also on the social media, as you'd expect. So Christmas Alphabet Podcast on Facebook, Christmas Alf uh, on Twitter, it's Christmas Alpha. And on Instagram, it's Christmas Alphabet. Uh, not currently. I am on some other things in a personal capacity as Wayne Clark or Wayne A. Clark on Twitter. But look up Christmas Alphabet on any of those uh, different social media places and you will find me there. Okay. And your YouTube, since you mentioned that in passing. Um, yeah, I have, a, I have a YouTube channel, Wayne Clark YouTube channel. And uh, there's a lot on my church YouTube channel. I could give that a bit of a... Uh, a mention if you like that's yep. trinity baptist church gorton gorton is a suburb of manchester so uh I, i've done a lot of uh church videos a lot of them during lockdown <laughs> when we were youtube only we were online only yep. uh but i've done a quite quite a few uh things associated with my church trinity baptist church gorton on youtube as well as well as my own channel Christmas Alphabet is not currently on YouTube, but that's one thing I've I've thought about doing, but haven't got the had the time and energy to sort out yet. So, mm, you know, you know, we were doing we were about to do the sign out there, and then you've just grabbed me with this one. <laughs> I thought I might. So there are ways that you could sort of do that in a way where you could, if you've not got if you've not recorded video for the show when you've done the when you've done the podcast because for the most part it's, it's it's an audio yeah it is it's audio it's an audio show that's my thing really is audio but you've got certain tricks that you can use visually like just like pictures of whatever you're talking about or or montages as we would call yeah. them or just put a single picture with the with the graphics on on there all the way through yep. i've thought about doing that uh yeah just at the moment, I'm I'm happy for the podcast to be a podcast because that's its essence. It is. It's a nice set amount as well. So you, it's it, you've got the twenty six there, or you will have. Yeah. I'm keeping my fingers crossed for you for this Thursday, <laughs> uh, under the circumstances. Uh, but 
it's a nice length. You've got all that that you can go back to and listen to whenever you want to. And yeah. if you want to, it's a bit like, in a sense, it's like one of these books where you can, if you, if you want to, you can just dip into wherever your interest is. So you're like, you, you know, back in the day when we all have the uh, the Guinness Book of Records, you'll yeah. think, oh, who was the, who was the person who did this, this, and this? And you just flick through to it to find that one thing. It's it's brilliant for that as well, where you can just bit and bob, as we call it, the what interests you, I suppose. Yeah, and because it's an A to Z, it doesn't even need an index, does it? No, it's got no. an inbuilt index. There you go. You you've got a post show there, so you could do a show, the show that is the you know the uh, the, the glossary or whatever they call it at the end of the book. Anyway, you can find Pods Like Us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and TikTok. Just look for Pods Like Us, and you can contact me through podslikeus at gmail.com. Anyway, thank you for speaking with me today, Wayne. Thank you, Marv. It's been a joy to speak to you and to be on your podcast. Thank you very much. Thank you. It's been a joy to speak to you. And thank you, everyone, for listening, and hope you listen again to another episode of Pods Like Us. Mm-hmm.